We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. We want to realign ourselves on who this God is who created all things, who this God is who was writing this true story that we live in. And that's going to be a really difficult thing to do in two hours. So just kidding. Thank you. <laughs> uh, hopefully in 30 minutes. We'll see. So do you guys, who in here watched the Lord of the Rings movies? Okay. All right, good. I'm proud of most of you. Um, the Lord of the Rings were really long movies, right? But the books are way longer. And so I, I've tried reading the books. I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, and I think the movies are fantastic. But I just, the books are so long. I couldn't do it. And I was talking with someone, though, who loves the books. And they're like, I can't believe they didn't include Tom Bombadil in the movies. Who in here knows Tom Bombadil? I, good job. I have no idea who Tom Bombadil is, but I love saying his name. It's just really fun to say. Tom Bombadil, say it five times fast. You can't do it. Tom Bombadil is apparently a pretty important character in the story, but guess what? The movies are only like six hours long each, so you don't have time to include every single element. It's kind of how this morning's gonna be. I'm gonna get done. You guys are gonna be like, you left out this thing about God, about his nature, about his character. How come you didn't say this about God? And I'm gonna say, I only had 30 minutes. And if I had a whole lifetime and all of our lifetimes in here, I still would not be able to cover it. One, because I don't understand it all. So let's just start with that. Some humility that none of us understand at all, right? And two, because, I mean, we're even told in Scripture, like you could, if you had all the pages in the world, you couldn't write down all the things that Jesus said and did. That's just Jesus' time on earth. So there's, there's just a lot we don't know. And because this God existed before all things were created, we weren't there, right? And so we, the only way we can truly come to know him it's through this story. And it starts with the story of the world. It starts with how he created. And so this God starts to begin to reveal himself to us through his interaction with his created world and with his creatures, you and I. And that's the way that we are praying we can come to know this God, all right? So pray with me right now. Father, we ask that by your grace, as we try to seek to know you better, God, that you would reveal yourself. You would show up. Your spirit would speak through me, through this community ongoing after uh, we leave here even this morning, that we would continue to grow, not just in the knowledge, but in the love and relationship with you that we would continue to display to one another what you're like. God, that you would use us as a community together to display to the world around us what you are like. But we can only do that by you being present here with us, by your spirit, by helping us to know you more. So would you do that this morning? We ask this in the name of Jesus and the power of the spirit to the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen. So, 
one of the Christian doctrines, that's a funny word for just saying, one of the, the things that we say, this is what we believe as someone following Jesus, as part of the Christian church, our faith. One of the things we believe about God is that he is a triune God. It's not a word we use in our vocabulary often, is it? Or the Trinity. What that means is, so tri is like, think about your little tricycle, it's three, okay? And triune in unity, three in one, three in unity. So we believe that there is one God, but that that one God has eternally and will forever exist as three distinct persons. What? So you worship three gods? No. (laughs) We believe there's one God, three distinct persons. If that is confusing, welcome to the club, okay? Uh, So what what I want to try to do to help understand that, let's first explore some ways that maybe we've all heard the Trinity being described to us before. Anyone got an example of like an analogy someone's used to explain the Trinity to you, that God is one God, but three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What are some ways you've heard that explained to you before? An egg, thank you. I was hoping someone would say that. An egg, yes. That's, that was one of the first ones I heard growing up, right? So you got an egg. There's three parts to an egg. There's the shell, there's the egg white, and then there's the egg yolk, right? So that's a, that, that can be a helpful way because you can look at that and you go, okay, well, this is the yolk, but it's also an egg. This is the egg whites, but it's also an egg. This is a shell, but it's also an egg, right? One of the limitations to that is you can separate them, right? My wife orders egg whites all the time. I don't know why you would separate them, but you can. I have a hard time separating the shells sometimes. I was cooking eggs for breakfast the other morning, and I don't know how people do it where they just like one hand crack it, drop it, and then toss the shell away. Like I'm like, oh, there's five little pieces of shell in there. I can't get them out. But you can. You can separate them. So there's a problem there with that analogy. What's another way? H2O, yeah, water. Water can be a liquid. It could be a solid. It's called ice. And it could be a gas, steam, right? And yet, it's all the same element. It's all H2O. So that could be a super helpful way of trying to kind of get a a grasp on what God, who's three persons, is like. Same God, three different distinct persons, right? Except, here's the problem with that one, that H2O cannot simultaneously be all three of those things. It's ice when it's frozen. And then when it melts, it becomes a liquid, right? And then when you heat it up, it becomes steam. But it cannot be all three at the same time. But it's helpful still. You guys see what I'm trying to do here? Analogies are helpful. When I was in um, seminary with the Missional Training Center, we watched this video they showed us of kind of a, a little mocking video, little cartoon characters in Ireland who were making fun of St. Patrick. Because when, when St. Patrick got there, he was trying to explain the Trinity, and legend has it that he held up a three-leaf clover, right? And so he was trying to explain this is kind of what God's like. This is all one clover, but there's three different parts to it. And so in this little like cartoon video somebody made on YouTube, these guys were like, no, Patrick. That's not the Trinity, Patrick. 
This is how the cartoon goes, okay? So I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm making fun of the cartoon. They're like, Patrick, that's partialism, Patrick. Partialism, another fun big word, right? What they're saying is, listen, this little leaf right here, that's part of the clover, but it's not the whole clover. And that's the problem is Jesus is not just part of God. Scripture tells us that the fullness of the deity of God was pleased to dwell within him. He's fully God. And yet he had conversations with this different person who's fully God called the Father. This is really difficult to understand. Analogies, I want to say this, that that little cartoon thing was making fun of it. Uh, We all had a good laugh, seminary students, ha, ha, ha. But then it was like, okay, so you explain it. And we're like, well. Uh, So I just want to say analogies are helpful. And we can use them. And there's nothing wrong with them. As long as we understand and admit that they have limitations, right? They're helpful analogies to get us started, but they're limited. Because they don't fully help us grasp the nature of God three in one. I want to give you another one. Let me share my screen here. So this is uh, what I have tattooed on one of my arms. It looks way better than that. Uh, That tattoo artist is way better than that. So this is, uh, man, that's awful, you guys. I'm going to start that over. It's kind of more pointy like that. But still, that's really bad. So this is uh, kind of the universal trinity symbol, right? So it's three things. And if you, if you were a better artist than me, then that would be one connected line, right? One whole connected line going all the way through there. Uh, but it's, it's three different things, and yet there's this, this unity here in the middle. Again, that's partialism, Patrick, right? You got a problem there, right? So here's another one I'm going to give us. Um, just a simple triangle right there. Let's say we got each point representing something. We have Father, we have Son, we have Spirit. You guys didn't know you were going to like a seminary class this morning, did you? Uh, one of the ways that this has kind of been described before is you could say that the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. And the Spirit not the Father, but all of them are God. Is that helpful? <laughs> so uh, the, the point here being, hey, they're all, they're all connected as one. They're all God, but they're not the same as one another. Let's try another one because I don't think that's super helpful. So one of the ways I've seen someone explain this before is more in categories. You have categories of who and what, okay? So we have uh, who is he? He's the father. What is he? He's God. Who is he? He's the son. What, What is he? He is God. Who is he? He's the spirit. And what is he? He's God. Does that make sense? Like if you were to do this with a, let me start a new page here. Who, what, who is, who am I? I'm Chris. What am I? In the context of my family, I'm a dad. Uh, Who is 
Liam, in the context of our family, what is he? He's, he's my son. Uh, what about, who is this thing that kept me up all night last night? Wanted to go outside of the house 11 times. Millie, what is she? She's my dirty, stinking dog. All right, so there's uh, categories of who and what. And so if you go back to the first one there, their who is different, but the what is all the same. That can maybe start to help us get a little bit of a grasp, but again, limitations, right? Limitations. What I'm trying to do here is this. Uh, I want us to understand that we can't understand. We can't fully understand God. We can try, and we can start to get more of an understanding by his grace, but the deeper thing and the better thing is not that we know about God or we know of God, that we know everything about him, but that we know God, that he allows us actually to know him in relationship. I also wanted to do all that to show you that uh, in this video we're going to watch from the Bible Project with someone who's way, 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 way smarter than I am, that even their beautiful illustration, which I think is way more helpful than anything I just did, still has limitations. But they come to the same conclusion. So watch this with me for a second. There's a like 10-minute version of that video that you can look up on YouTube that I recommend. Most of you in here know I have, uh, my oldest two sons are twins. They're identical twins. And when they were first formed in the womb, they were one cell. It's weird to think about. And then they split into two. Uh, that, again, an analogy that breaks down. But I actually think one of the best images we have of what God is like is people, because that's what God said in the very beginning. Let us make man, and that means mankind, humanity, in our image. And so male and female, he created them. So these two people, who, who were one before, Adam, the first man, uh, and then God splits from his side and creates another individual person, yet they're one, this is, this, is, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. For this reason, Moses wrote later, for this reason, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and becomes one with the spouse, right? Because this picture of their oneness, their unity, is the first thing that God says, now this is very good. This shows the rest of the creation a little bit more of what I'm like. Two distinct individuals, yet in perfect unity with one another, as one, caring for this creation and showing the world what I'm like. Now, here's the problem. Is those two made a decision to separate themselves from God who made them, which then caused a separation between one another. From being naked and unashamed, because why? Because they were one with each other. Like every thought you have, every, everything we do, it's in unison, it's in unity. We are one. And then when they rebel against God and they choose to separate themselves from him, the fabric of their unity starts to break down too. Suddenly they want to hide from each other. There's shame now. There's fear. 
There's wondering, what is this person thinking about me as they see me right now? And so now, even though we were created, you and I, human beings, were created to be the best picture of what this very confusing and unfathomable God is like, because of sin, because we have been separated from God, we don't do a very good job of that. And so I could say, my, my wife and I and our family, that's a good picture of what God is like, that we're different people, but we're in unity. But the reality is, we're not always in unity. I don't know if any of your homes are like that. That's how it is in ours. The reality is, we don't always agree. We don't always see eye to eye. We don't always look out for each other's best interests. I mean, my wife does a pretty good job of that, but I don't always do that. And so we have a problem, we have a breakdown in this, what should have been like the best analogy of what God's like has been broken. So we can't fully understand God through analogy, so we, we turn to the story. And so turn with me to Genesis chapter one. And our boy, Tim Mackey, and John Collins, they read part of this, but Genesis one, we're just reading verses one and two. In the beginning, God, this mysterious God, created the heavens and the earth, literally what's up there and what's down here, the skies and the land. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The spirit of God was there. God was there. And then he speaks a word, the word of God was there. If we were to fast forward through this story and take a little stop at John chapter one, that's the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I want us to hear how similar this sounds. John is trying to purposefully, intentionally give us an echo of Genesis one. I can get my pages there. John one starts this way. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. Like, I don't go around describing myself as saying, like, yeah, I was hanging out with myself, right? Like, or I was talking with myself, maybe sometimes, but it makes you sound crazy. No, no, the, the word was both with God and was God, distinct and yet united as one. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And so John's writing this about Jesus, this man, this human being they saw walk the face of the earth. They saw him eat, they saw him sleep, they saw him get angry. They saw him do some miraculous things too, like healing the sick, caring for the people that nobody else would care for, feeding the hungry, raising the dead to life. And ultimately, they got to see him come back from the dead too. They're saying that this man that they met, that they lived with for three years, was here at the very beginning, before that first symbol in the story, before anything existed. And all things that do exist only exist because he was there with God and he was God. At the very beginning, when the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And then you have uh, this, and I think we have a scripture from Matthew chapter three. One of the first times that they, they see this about Jesus and they didn't really know that this is what they were seeing yet. In Matthew three, verses 16 and 17, 
when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. Does that sound familiar? That the spirit of God hovering over waters? Does that bring you back to something we just read? And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So once again, probably for the first time that we see in this story since the very beginning, since the beginning at creation, you see these three distinct persons who are one God there at a creation moment. At a creation moment. At at the beginning, God... And his spirit was hovering over the face of the waters and he spoke, let there be light. Let there be plants, let there be animals, let there be, let us make man in our image. And this God speaking with his spirit hovering and the word going forth creates all things. But then, as we said, humans rebel against this God and they start to break down the very fabric of this creation. Not only do they separate themselves from God, They separated themselves from each other, but they also caused separation and distortion and destruction between them and creation. You will now work the land out of thorns and thistles. It's going to be difficult. All of creation groaning. And then at this moment, at this moment, it's like God, as he's telling his story, saying, hey, remember what I did at the beginning? I can do it again. An almost recreation moment happens here. That as Jesus comes up out of the water, being baptized to identify with humanity and yet being fully God, bringing this unity back together, what man had separated, God was bringing back together. You have the spirit hovering over the waters and the voice of the father going forth and the very word of God right there among us in our midst. And he says, this is my son who I love and I'm very well pleased with. Like when God created the woman from the man and said, now this is very good. He's recreating humanity into what it was supposed to be. The image of God, Jesus, the full image of God, the fullness of God, pleased to dwell within him, did exactly what humans were called to do throughout his entire life showing everyone what God is like. Did you know that's what we're created for? We are created to reflect God to the world around us. That's our goal. That's our purpose. That's why we exist. And yet, we've turned away from that. We've turned away from that role. We've turned away from the one who created us. How can a mirror reflect well when it's been shattered and broken? And yet God has moved toward us in his perfect love. Why does it matter that God exists eternally as three distinct persons? Because how can an individual, one person, have any love when there's nothing else there or no one else there? And yet we're told God is love. Why? Because God has eternally existed. Even before we were here, before anything else was here, he existed perfectly in love because the Father, Son, and Spirit were in perfect unity with each other. And out of this overflow of love in this community of God, 
he decides, I'm gonna make more and I'm gonna share this love and I'm gonna welcome you into this circle. I'm gonna welcome you into this community of love. And so, friends, that's, that's what we are trying to realign our hearts to. Is let's, let's come back to this call of representing God, which only happens as we are entering into the presence of God, into the love of God, the community of God, as we know God. You may not understand God. You may not know everything about God. But do you know we get to know God? I have one more verse up there. I think, Patrick, if you can put that on the screen. Thank you. In Matthew 28, this is what uh, many Christians would call the Great Commission. So you may be very familiar with it if you've been around a church at all. Verses 18 through 20. This is what Jesus said. So do you remember he was baptized in that moment? It was like a, a recreation moment. God saying, I'm not done with this world. I'm going to restore it. And then a lot of things happened after that. And Jesus lived this incredible life, but then he was murdered. And after he was murdered, he, he was baptized now into death, the story tells us. That word baptized, it doesn't just mean dunking in water. It literally just means to be immersed in, right? To be covered in. And so he, he was immersed in the grave, and yet he rose victoriously to new life, resurrected life. And he, he came back to his followers, his friends, and he said this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So he's saying, listen, I've come to redeem you, to make something new, to restore creation. Now follow me in this. Do as I say, become those representatives to the rest of the world of what God's like now. You can do it through me. And he says, this is how you do it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So not, not just dunking in water. We, we do that as a practice and it's very important for the church historically. But what he's saying is immerse people in a new identity in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see that? The same Trinitarian God that was present at the beginning of creation, that was present at Jesus' baptism, is present at our baptism. That we are brought into a new identity as new humans made in the image of this God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he says, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And most importantly, remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You don't do this work alone. He said, I'm sending you a helper, my spirit, to go with you. So Jesus has been at work restoring our identity and our image that we can actually become this picture now of what God's like to the world around us. One of the ways that we try to understand that here at Missio is, see if I can draw this one a little better. Stop me if you've seen this one before, right? You guys have all seen this, if you've been around me at all. Our Venn diagrams, we love them here. Uh, by the way, if you notice, that's kind of like the Trinity symbol right there, right? Hmm. Interesting. So we, we say that here, if, if we believe this true story, we're hoping to see this in the story of what's called the gospel, which is just good news is what that means. Good news that God is at work bringing restoration to all of his creation through Jesus. We are praying that we are being formed in this story as a community 
sent on God's mission. Here's what that means. Not that we can understand God fully, but that we can know him. Because the spirit is present with us. Jesus said, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm sending my helper, my spirit to fill you, to fill the body, to fill the church. The spirit of God helps us to know God. He's here present with us. How beautiful is it that we can actually talk with him, that we can listen to him, that we can be in his presence because God's spirit is here present with us. And so we're striving to be formed by this truth that we're not just trying to gain head knowledge as we open our Bibles or as we come here on Sundays, but we're trying to grow closer in this relationship of knowing God. As a community, because the Father not only calls Jesus his son, but he's adopted you and I into his family. And I know for many, that word family can have some weird connotations. And so that's why we say community, right? Uh, Jesus was building a community for himself, but, but it's really, it's a perfect family. That when the father said to the son, Jesus, this is my son who I love and I'm well pleased with, that, you know, all of the New Testament is, uses language like we are now in Jesus. We are clothed in Jesus. We are wrapped in Jesus. We are immersed or baptized in Jesus, which means when the father looks at you, if you are in Jesus, he sees Jesus. So he sees you and he says, this is my son or my daughter who I love and I am so pleased with. Not because of what you've accomplished, but because you are in Jesus, if you have trusted him. And then because of Jesus, the son, who came and left his place on the throne of heaven, came down to this dirty, broken world, went on a mission from the Father to rescue God's creation, and then sends us, as we just read in Matthew 28, sends us out now on his same mission. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go, or as you go, make disciples of all nations. Show the world what I'm like. We now are called, we are invited into this mission of God. That's why we call ourselves Missio Dei. That's Latin for the mission of God. The mission that Jesus was carrying out, we are invited into now. That's true for every single person who has said, I follow Jesus. There's not this category of missionaries and then there's these other Christians. We have all been invited into this mission with him. And so this is, as we go through the story this year, we're praying that we would be formed as a community of God's people, learning to live in God's ways for the sake of the world around us. That's who we are. Who we are has to come out of who God is first. And yes, we can't fully understand him, but we can know him. And what's maybe even more beautiful is that he fully knows you. That means whatever you've done, whatever thoughts you're even having right now at this moment, whatever's been done to you, the Father looks at you and sees all of you, and he sees a child of his, made in his image, created for a purpose to show the rest of the world what he's like, 
that as he pours his love out on you, you get to show that love to others. No matter who you are, you are invited into the circle of love with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the Spirit will empower you to actually live in that truth, to live in the true story of what God's doing and not these other crazy stories we're being told in the world around us. That is only true and possible because Jesus gave everything up in order to follow his Father's mission and to come after you and I, chasing after you and I because of the Father's love to bring us back. That's good news. That's gospel. That's the story we believe. That's the story we struggle to believe. That's the story we are praying to believe more and more each day. Would you pray that with me? Father, how beautiful that is that we can call you Father, Dad. The God of the whole universe, the one who spoke all things into existence, who chose to form us, humans, with your own hands and to breathe your own breath of life into us. That even after all of our running and all of our rebelling, you allow us to call you dad because of your perfect son, Jesus, who could have kept all his glory and all of his righteousness and all of his comfort in heaven and yet sacrificed everything to bring us back to you. We thank you for your spirit that fills us. It doesn't give us a spirit of fear or of slavery or of condemnation to our sin, but a spirit that allows us to call you Abba, Father, Dad. Spirit of adoption. We are your children now. God, we just pray not so much that we would understand you more and more. We would love to. But God, that we would know you better this year, better today and tomorrow than any other time before previously in our lives. God, that we would be each growing closer and closer to you. Would you transform us as we do that, as you do that work in us? Make us look more and more like your perfect son, Jesus. Empowered by your spirit, we ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen.